You're listening to It's Getting Better, a podcast about mental health, hope, and overcoming challenges. While this podcast is not intended to replace medical advice or professional help, we hope that the stories and experiences shared by young people can help you on your journey of getting better. I'm your host, Kate, and today I'm so excited to have Betty here with me today. So, Betty, will you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your mental health experiences and and why you're here on the show today. My name is Betty Kuhn. Um, I suffer from bipolar, PTSD, and DID. Um, And yeah, pretty exciting stuff. (laughs) Um, PTSD from um, just moments in my childhood, um, physical, sexual abuse, unfortunately, and bipolar is hereditary. So <laughs> living with DID, bipolar, and PTSD um, can be definitely pretty tricky. Um, it definitely takes a lot of therapy, lots of medications. Um, but I think it has really made my life better in some ways. It's made me a lot more of a compassionate person, a lot more aware of others' emotions, um, and made me just a better person overall. First of all, for people who maybe aren't familiar, will you explain a little bit about what DID means, what it stands for, all of that? DID is Dissociative Identity Disorder. It is a disorder that you get um, when you are frequently abused as a child. And basically, your identity doesn't, when you turn like three about, your identity kind of forms into one. But since I was abused, my identity didn't form into one. I just formed multiple identities. So multiple identities, multiple personalities, um, that good old thing. That's a great explanation. I'd love to hear more. What does daily life look like uh, for you with these disorders? With GID, it is a lot better than it used to be um, because with disassociative identity disorder, it's very often that um, I'll have an alter, what's called an alter, which is my one of my different personalities will come up and kind of take over my body for me. They take over the consciousness. It's kind of like, imagine if you're in a car um, and someone else is driving and you're in the backseat just watching someone else drive the car. That's what it feels like to dissociate. Um, so it can be hard because sometimes other people are taking control of my body and doing things and then I'll kind of wake up And um, I won't remember what happens sometimes. So like sometimes I'll like someone else will be fronting while I'm driving to the grocery store. I'll I will front when we're walking out of the grocery store and I have no idea where we parked because I just don't remember. That sounds like really hard to deal with (laughs) and probably like scary a lot of the time. So how, how have you kind of learned to manage that? I mean, I'm sure having these experiences, you I don't know if getting used to it is the right word, but you've figured out ways and tactics to deal with it and and be able to live your daily life. So what does that look like? For me, a good relationship with DID for me looks like me being in control most of the time. For everyone, it's different, but I like to be in control of my body, which makes sense. Daily life looks like, yeah, just forgetting things all the time. (laughs) Um, But to get better, I have worked with my system, which is like all of my personalities, um, and kind of figured out how I can meet their needs. Because a lot of the time, other people front or other people take control of my body because they need something. For example, my child alter, she's like six years old. Her name is Emily. She always fronted when I was not spending enough time with other people. So she would be the one that fronted and she would reach out to my friends and talk to them. Um, And now I'm spending a lot more time with my friends and going out a lot more. And she has not fronted in like nine months. So that's been nice. I love that idea that you're understanding 
based on these altars, what you need. I think that's that's really interesting. And I'm sure you've had family and it sounds like friends that have been aware of your struggles and hopefully supportive. So what does it look like for the people around you to support you and help you when you're struggling? So moving on to bipolar a little bit, that's the one that kind of affects me more daily. I suffer from manic and depressive episodes. A manic episode is like everything in your body is heightened. Um, You have heightened emotions, whether that means you're happier, you get more aggressive, you're more irritable. um, And they can be pretty scary. I have bipolar too. Um, so that means I do a lot more dangerous stuff when I'm in a manic episode. Like I will feel like I want to jump off a building. I will, um, feel like I want to engage in illegal acts. Um, so that is unfortunate, but with the help of medication that helps. Um, but how other people around me help that, um, I'll let them know when I feel like I'm in a manic or depressive episode and they are able to, I've given them tips on how to help me because it's kind of hard to know how to help someone, um, with a different disorder. Um, so I tell my husband, um, I actually have code words for stuff, um, because I have a hard time expressing my feelings a lot of the time. So when I say like, I need help, I feel like hurting myself. I say bubblegum. Um, And that kind of lets him know what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you've set up systems that you know how to communicate with the people around you to get help and find help when you're struggling. But I'm I'm sure that took a lot of time to sort of establish. So what advice would you give to someone who's trying to figure out what to tell the people around them um, who who maybe want to support but don't know how to? What what does that process look like and, and how would you advise someone who's trying to figure that out? I would recommend definitely don't be afraid to make accommodations because mental illnesses, they are um, essentially a disability. Um, you are disabled. And so you definitely want to be able to make accommodations for yourself. So don't be afraid to speak out and say what you need, um, whether that is you need space, you need someone to come over and just sit next to you while you do homework, watch TikTok, just need someone there um, or anything. It sounds like communication in general is just a huge part of that. And it comes from understanding yourself and what you need and then figuring out ways to explain that. And and that looks different for everybody. But being able to recognize what you're experiencing and then communicate that and and not be alone in that experience sounds, I mean, I think think that's huge. I would love to hear more about the things that you've learned from experiencing this all of your life and, and maybe how it's shaped who you are and how you interact with people, all of those things. How, how does it made you who you are? It's definitely changed me a lot, um, especially knowing my DID. It has made me a lot more aware of what I do and what I say, which has been super nice um, because it allows me to be more accountable. And that's been with my bipolar too. Um, but when you have DID and someone else is taking, uh, like, is in charge of your body and they, like, do something that's not so nice, I still need to take accountability for that. So it's taught me to always take accountability for my actions, even when it really sucks and it's really scary. That's such an interesting thing to have to learn. And that sounds really hard and frustrating sometimes to feel like, like, that wasn't even in my control, but you still have to take accountability for it. And learning how to to deal with that sounds like it, it would really make you grow up fast and and have more introspection and learn about yourself and in maybe a deeper way that not everyone gets to experience. Um, I think that's that's really interesting. 
I know there's a lot of people out there who experience abuse and who have really tough childhoods and it's it's a hard thing to go through. So what what would you tell someone who is going through that? I actually have a perfect quote for that. It is from a poem by Rebecca Solnit and it says, hope is not a lottery ticket that you can sit on the sofa and clutch feeling lucky. It is an ax you break down doors with in an emergency. And I really like that quote because I feel like a lot of us um, who have been abused are told, just look on the bright side. Just think happy thoughts. Don't worry about it. Um, when in reality, it changes how like the chemicals work in our brains. So we can't really do that. Um, so I do like to think of having hope, being an ax that you have to break a door down. It's hard. It sucks. But you just need to work hard to, I don't want to say look on the bright side, but essentially just look at the good things in life, look to get help and all that good stuff. That's great advice. And I love that you included that look to get help. That's something that I emphasize a lot with the people around me. It's like, hey, therapy is real. Medication is real. And it's hard and there's stigma and there's things that aren't perfect about the system, but asking help is a huge and essential piece of getting better and recovering and moving on from difficult life experiences. And along those lines, I'd love to hear what help you've sought. Have have doctors and things like that, have, have those been helpful to you? Has that been a resource you've been able to use or what does that look like? I am definitely a big advocate for therapy and medication. Um, I definitely don't know if I'd be here if I didn't have my medication. They are essential. Um, they make my brain work the way it's supposed to. <laughs> um, and I love therapy. I go to therapy once a month now. It used to be once a week, but we've changed it to once a month because I'm getting better, um, which is fantastic. Progress, progress. Yes. So, yeah, big advocate for therapy. Um, big advocate for psychiatrists to get diagnosed with things because it helps to get diagnosed because it gives it a name. I feel like it's easier when you have something with a name. Instead of just like, oh, I act like this and it, I'm wrong. Um, it helps to have something to prove. Absolutely. And I think that goes back to that communication. When you can tell someone like, hey, I have a diagnosis of this, it maybe it makes it easier to communicate your needs and your experiences and, and help people almost take you seriously in what you're experiencing, which is is very important. You mentioned that you're going to therapy less because you're getting better. And I'd love to hear, what does getting better mean or look like to you? Getting better looks like managing my depressive and manic episodes better because they're still going to be there no matter what, no matter how much medication I take, no matter how much therapy I go to, I'm still going to struggle. And that's just the reality of mental illness. You're going to struggle no matter what. But I have been able to obtain tools and get a support system um, to help me through those episodes instead of just being by myself, not knowing what to do. I love that. And a, a lot of it sounds like you're learning how to manage it in better ways. I think that's lovely because like you said, mental illness isn't always something that we can just leave behind us. And it's not like your broken arm is fixed. Sometimes it's a lifelong thing. And that can be a hard thing to recognize. And that can feel like maybe frustrating that, okay, this isn't just going to go away tomorrow, but learning how to manage it in a more chronic sense and building up the resilience, that's what getting better is. So I, I love that you you described that and you just said it so beautifully. So mm -hmm. I loved it. Do you have any final words for someone who is experiencing what you've gone through and who's really in the trenches and 
at, you know, feels like they're at their low, what do you have to say to, to that person? Remember that people are there for you. Even if you feel like it, because I know when you're down, you're like, "Ugh, everyone hates me. Like, no one is here for me. There are people there for you, and they love you so, so much. So reach out to those who you love. They probably love you back um, because they will do anything to help you. And I would do anything to help you. And I don't even know who you are. (laughs) Make a list of things worth living for. Um, I keep a list of things worth living for on my phone and hung up in my house so I can look at it every day. And so when I'm feeling down and I'm in a depressive episode, I can look at those and remember, okay, I am going to live another day because I love drinking Starbucks. I love going on walks in the rain And I love spending time with my husband. Oh my gosh, sorry. There's a word that I is perfect for this moment, but um, resilience. The resilience. Thank you. Yes. (laughs)